0: Hello! You are listening to Getting After Lefty, starring Gary Gatehouse, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We have good questions on the show, like... Uh, Mr. Obama, sir, I
1: have a, just a quick question, if I can. Um, I was wondering,
2: you know, just, uh, where, uh... Where the hell is your birth certificate?
1: Yeah, where the hell is your birth certificate? You're listening to the Gary Gatehouse radio show and getting after Lefty Wednesday hump day in America hump day in the free world hope you folks are having a great day wherever you're at in God's big beautiful world fantastic day down here in South Texas about 70 degrees can't complain for January I got a question for all you patriots out there how many of you had a chance to watch Megyn Kelly here yesterday, I think it was, or the day before, when she presented some more information about the Benghazi incident, had uh, three of the guys on there that were some of the defenders of Benghazi, those guys that force marched themselves over the compound to see what they could do to protect those 30 some people over there. Very brave souls, very brave. How many of you people had a chance to listen in on what those guys said about the Benghazi incident, what transpired, the movie, they were all part of uh, being back up as far as information goes, input, etc. into the production and the making of the movie Benghazi. Very harrowing incident those guys were involved with in Benghazi. One guy was uh, right next to a mortar round that went off and, and just about blew his arm off. Being a Marine, his arm was hanging at his side, just dangling there. And the other two guys were telling the story about this guy, this Marine, how they admired him, how he tried, even though his arm was just hanging by a few muscles, tried to get that rifle up to a shooting position to protect those people that they'd all went over to see what they could do for. Her. You know, ladies and gentlemen, when you think about the Benghazi incident, and then you think about what Gowdy did on trying to expose or saying he was going to expose what Hillary was up to, what she was doing at the time. The Benghazi incident took place, what Obama was up to and they held all those hearings. And we all remember when they marched Hillary up in front of the hearing uh, panel and she sat down in her green dress with her stupid looking glasses and her stu- stupid looking haggard face and con- proceeded to make mincemeat out of the folks on the uh, panel of the hearing. Proceeded to stick her finger in the eyes of the American people. Proceeded to sat there and snub and smirk at every question and carried herself off passed herself off as somebody who was in control, who knew what she was doing, what she was seeing, all well rehearsed and after it was all over the tent folded up Gowdy took all his toys and all his recordings and illustrations and comments and all along with his brothers on the Republican side and they went home You know, ladies and gentlemen, when you think about it, it was all nothing but window dressing. There was never any objective to really hold Hillary's feet to the fire. There never was. We who pay attention know this. It was all for political posturing purposes. It didn't work out. Hillary stuck it up their kazoo. And, of course, the media fell behind Hillary and said that Hillary had it all in control. She looked presidential. She looked uh, cool, calm, and collect when the Republicans were raking her over the coals. But I hearken back to that day when those four caskets arrived and they took them off that big C5A, all pomp and circumstance with all the military bands there, etc, and those four flag draped coffins lined up and Obama and Hillary standing there when the when the uh, Star-Spangled banner was played with their hands over their heart and looked very stern and very serious and then they went to meet the four families that lost their loved ones, including the ambassador to Libya went and shook their hands and tried to console the four families. And Hillary told them point blank, we're going to put that man in jail that made that video, that film, that caused this whole incident, that took the lives of your loved ones. We're going to get him. We're going to put him in jail. And knowing all along that that video was not the case that caused the riot, as they put it, It was a terrorist attack on the consulate. It was a terrorist attack that took the life of our ambassador and the lives of three brave souls that tried to protect him. All left families behind, children, wives, etc. And the families that assembled at that hangar, that day, to claim the bodies of their loved ones that were destroyed and killed In that Benghazi incident, Hillary Clinton lied to him, point-blank, face-to-face, no emotion, no conscience, she lied to him. Obama lied to the American people. Hillary lied to the American people. Obama sent his agents out to stand in front of the United Nations and the American people in the world and to lie. Obama had so much influence on the State Department they stood staunchly with Hillary to protect her backside and they lied as well. The media even after they found out that it was a lie about the video, they stood by and still do stand by for the most part with Hillary. Fast forward to today. Hillary Clinton called those four families who came forward and said, and put let the world know exactly what Hillary said about the video to them in private. She called them liars. She says, "I, you know, I, I, I told them the truth. They, in the whole fog of things, they must have forgot what I said. One man wrote it down verbatim in his notebook." immediately after she stood there and lied to him, telling him it was a video, a film. You know, ladies and gentlemen of America, when you think about it, and you see her face, as I observed on the last Democrat debate, when she stood up there and talked, and she always does this when she wants to make it a point, she always lowers her voice And goes into her man voice. Like she's some kind of kick-ass broad. She stood up there. With a straight face. And lied to the American people. Sided with Obama. Exposed herself to what she really was. Is. A communist. She has made the statement. And I'll play it for you again, exactly what she says she is politically. Listen to this.
3: Are you a progressive or are you a
4: moderate? I'm a progressive, but I'm a progressive who likes to get things done. And I know how to find common ground and I know how to stand my ground and I have proved that in every position that I've had. Even Dealing with Republicans who never had a good word to say about me, honestly. But we found ways to work together on everything from reforming foster care and adoption to the Children's Health Insurance Program, which insures 8 million kids. So I have a long history of getting things done rooted in the same values I've always had.
1: Same values she's always had. Looking back at the Clintons, looking back at Hillary, Can we honestly say we people who pay attention? I'm not talking about you limp-wristed liberals on the left. I'm not talking about you socialist, Marxist, progressive communist. I'm not talking about you guys, because you've signed on with her at any cost. You don't care if she is void of any morals. You don't care if she's void of any conscience. You're the same cut of cloth, so I'm not including you in this conversation. You little liberal piggies can take a hike, as far as I'm concerned. I'm talking about the patriots out there. We the people, the real Americans of America. When, a, when Hillary Clinton talks about values that she's always had, can you draw from all the exposure you have had over the years to the Clintons and what they've stood for, and what they've said, what they've done, their whole political life from the time they left college until present day, can you find anything that looks positive, that looks morally correct, that looks like a person who is... Upstanding and in charge of their lives in a positive manner, can you? When it comes to the Clintons? No, you can't. All the values that she's held to her heart always had, they don't have any values. Unless you talk about money and power. That is the only values their whole life is based on. That is it. Nothing else. And when she sat down in front of that panel in that green dress and that haggard look on her face with a smart-ass look on her face and act and reacted to the questions that Gowdy and the rest of them asked her, you could see she has no moral compass. She has no con- uh, conscience. When she lied to those four families when they, they were attending that funeral pro- uh, uh, proceedings when they were collecting their family's remains from those flag-draped coffins and she lied to them and told them that it was a video, a film that caused the riot, as she called it, in Benghazi that took those family's loved ones' lives. You can tell, you can tell that she was a liar. That she was a liar beyond approach, reproach. Ladies and gentlemen, this moment is hollow. There's nothing to her. She's a sorry excuse for a human being. Yet there are millions of people and a lot of baby boomers out there, a lot of women baby boomers and a lot of left-wing uh, uh Limp-wristed male baby boomers That fall on their sword for her The mainstream media falls on its sword for her All these left-wing organizations These communist organizations uh, They all fall on their sword for her They're devoid of any morals uh, as well You know When I turn that Benghazi thing on Megyn Kelly put on And I very seldom watch her Because I don't like her but I wanted to see what these three guys had had to say after I had seen them before, way back when, when they were on the Sean Hannity show. I wanted to see if there was anything new. I wanted to see the excerpts from the movie Benghazi. And I turned it on and I heard those guys and what they went through. Now, I was in Vietnam with millions of other guys like me. We were in a completely different war. But war is war and you have to have each other's back. And those guys were prime examples of having each other's back. But they put their lives on the line for 30 other people. They forced marched themselves over there and jumped deep right in feet first into the heart of a battle. And Hillary Clinton turned her back on him. Hillary Clinton, Clinton and Obama turned their back on him. Threw them through the wood to the wolves. But these guys came out on top. And I'm gonna say this. Why did they come out on top? Being a Christian, I want to believe they came out on top and they survived and they helped those thirty people survive because God was on their side. God was over on their side watching over them. They were battling against a phony, fake religious Religion, Islam, and the people who were carrying out that terrorist attack were all Muslim, Islamic followers. The real God, our God, was on their side. But when you look at Hillary Clinton, and you look at Obama, and all their minions, and all the people who followed them and followed their sword for them, A lot of people say, why doesn't God, why doesn't God show the American people what these people really are? And I'm going to quote my grandmother before I go to break. God will will show us. Somewhere down the road, God will show us and the American people what they are. Because like, My late grandmother used to say when I would ask her a question about why this happened or why that that happened or why I, uh, I didn't get my promotion or whatever, she used to say to me, Gary, now listen, it'll all come out in the wash. And Grandma, you're right. Somewhere down the road, America will wake up, all of us, about Hillary and Obama And all those minions and all those people that are morally defunct and morally hollow that reside in America that support her and their causes, it will all come out in the wash. You're listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show on freedominamericaradio.com.
2: This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Mrs. Schlafly is a constitutional attorney, popular speaker, and author of 25 books, including A Choice, Not an Echo, Who Killed the American Family?, the flip side of Feminism, Turbo Reader, and How We Made the Republican Party Pro-Life. Now, here's the founder of Ego Forum, Phyllis Schlafly.
4: A lot of important issues have surfaced as we prepare for the 2016 election. Immigration, public schools, and national defense are all examples of important issues that have taken on a well-deserved spotlight on the campaign trail. However, it is very important that candidates and voters not forget about another important issue that is of great interest to all Americans, Common Core. Common Core has not become a big issue, largely because it has not been in the news. When Common Core's ridiculous standardized testing was going on in the spring, Many concerned parents rose up in opposition to these inferior standards and intrusive questions and led initiatives against Common Core in their states. However, by the time the presidential race began in the summer, the news focus shifted to disputes on college campuses, and there has not been much news coverage on the problems of elementary and secondary education. Voters should not be fooled into thinking that education and Common Core are not big issues that deserve attention. Education is the issue that will determine how America competes on the world stage in the future. We need a president and Congress who will get our education system back on track. With so many candidates in the fields, we hope some candidate will distinguish themselves from the pack by calling for eliminating Common Core and restoring local control of education with parental input. Education is the issue that will determine the future of America's young people. Common Core standards will not equip students with the knowledge they need to compete in a global market. Parents who care about their children should look into this and make sure that the school curriculum gives them the tools they need to be useful members of our society.
2: This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Eagle Forum. Have you or your children had any direct experience getting burned or misled by the Common Core travesty? Go to EagleForum.org and share your story in a blog conversation with Phyllis Schlafly. Voice your support for local control of education at EagleForum.org. That's EagleForum.org. And join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report.
5: You are listening to the sound of the heartbeat of an unborn baby just 28 days after conception. Every day, more than 3,000 abortions are performed in this country, and each abortion stops the heartbeat of a living unborn baby. Since 1973, the annual number of abortions has gone from approximately 750,000 a year to just under 1.3 million. Abortion isn't rare or safe, only legal. Legalized abortion on demand has taken the lives of more than 50 million unborn children and left those women who have had abortions more vulnerable to physical, mental, and emotional complications. We at National Right to Life are working to break this cycle. We are working for the day when both mother and child will be welcomed, loved, and protected. Won't you help us? This has been a Perspective on Life from National Right to Life. For more information, visit our website, nrlc.org.
2: to protect christianity and i can say that i don't have to be politically correct or we're going to protect it you know and i i asked jerry and i asked some of the folks because i hear this is a major theme right here but two corinthians right two corinthians 317 that's the whole ball game where the spirit of the lord right where the spirit of the lord is there is liberty and here there is liberty college but liberty university but it is so true you know when you think and that's really is that the one is that the one you like i think that's the one you like because i loved it and it's so representative of what's taken place but we are going to protect christianity and if you look what's going on throughout the world you look at syria where they if you're christian they're chopping off heads you look at the different places and christianity it's under siege I'm a Protestant I'm very proud of it Presbyterian to be exact but I'm very proud of it very very proud of it and we've got to protect because bad things are happening very bad things are happening and we don't I don't know what it is we don't band together maybe other religions frankly they're banning together and they're using it here we have if you look at this country it's gotta be 70%, 75%, some people say even more. The power we have, somehow we have to unify. We have to band together. We have to do really in a really large version what they've done at Liberty because Liberty University has done that. You band together, you've created one of the great universities, colleges anywhere in the country, anywhere in the world, and that's what our that country has to do that around Christianity. So Get together, folks, and let's do it, because we can do
1: it. You heard Donald Trump. You heard what he said. We're going to pr- protect Christianity. And I can say that. I don't have to be politically correct about it. We're going to protect Christianity. Then he made a reference to two Corinthians. Well, it, when it was all over, and it got out into the media, what Mr. Trump said in that, in that little brief excerpt there, Well, it caught fire on the social media, and the social media went crazy about it. Trump actually quoted the text of the Bible verse accurately, word for word. The only thing that some critics objected to is that Paul's letter to the Corinthians is usually cited in America as 2 Corinthians instead of 2 Corinthians, even though the numeral 2 is used in print. For instance, when published in a Bible verse it often is cited correctly as now the Lord, now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is there is liberty two Corinthians three hundred seventeen. Now in the United States for, in the United Kingdom, for instance, British subjects often refer to these letters from the apostle Paul as one Corinthians and two Corinthians. But you know, there were so many headlines based on what Mr. Donald Trump said. For instance, BuzzFeed. Donald Trump knows the Bible so well he misquotes it at Christian University. Jezebel said, a good Christian could never vote for Donald Trump who just pronounced it 2 Corinthians. And on and on and on. New York Times. Donald Trump quotes scriptures sort of at Liberty University speech. Politico, Trump bungles Bible reference at Liberty University. AOL, Trump flubs Bible verse during rally at Christian school. But you know Donald Trump and his trashing of liberals and progressives and their first gospel of their Bible based on secularism, atheism, non-believers and haters of Christianity... That first gospel, being the book of political correctness, they're the ones that made all the headlines that I just read you. And I have a question to mainstream media and all you dolts that write the blogs and all that stuff for the left wing and the left side of the aisle, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, question to mainstream media, is that all you got to say? Hell, most of you don't even attend church. Most of you don't even care about Christians the religion, you're all all a bunch of phonies that will step up to the plate and protect Islam at every chance you get. If that's all you got on this, then I suggest you shut the hell up and continue your lame-brained assault on all that is good. You know, ladies and gentlemen, the left, they're grabbing for straws. They are searching for anything but what they just said about Re- uh, Donald Trump and Corinthians too, it doesn't resonate with the American people Oh, it only resonates with a hardcore left because you see they're all non-believers of Christianity anyway. most of them are atheist or secularist so what they the media says about Trump and what the media perceives as being a misquote, well these people will buy into it like Politico and New York, New York Times. They're all a bunch of atheists, a bunch of left-wing dolts. So they see seen this as an opportunity to really rake Donald Co- uh, Trump over the coals and really make him look bad in the eyes of Christians in America, which, by the way, is about 80% of the population. It doesn't resonate. It doesn't make a hill of beans with Christians that Donald Trump said Corinthians 2 not a hill of beans. But to the left. They're so shallow. So full of themselves. They think whatever they throw up there. It's going to resonate with the American people. And it just doesn't. It just does not. When I read this and I heard this. I just I told my wife. I said my God. It's getting bad in America. When the mainstream media not only backs a loser, a socialist and a communist up there on the stage in a democratic debate vying against each other to see who out, who can out commie each other when they support the likes of those two and the Clintons and the Democrat Party and Islam and everything is bad about America and then they resort to this type of crap? It's terrible. The bottom line is the mainstream media And all that run it, all the owners of it, all the sponsors that tack their ass onto the mainstream media to get their product pushed, you're all nothing but a bunch of reprobates. That's about what you are. You're worthless. And as they say down here in South Texas, you're as worthless as tits on a boar. This is Gary Gatehouse. You're listening to the Gary Gatehouse radio show Getting After Lefty, Wednesday edition. And we'll be back after a few short messages. Uh, man, you know, uh, you know, back in the 60s, man, we didn't have no cats like Gary Gatehouse, man. But this dude gets after Lefty, and I like that.
5: These are the sounds of someone taking their eyes off the road. Texting while driving is more than distracting. It's dangerous. Do us all a favor. When you're on the road, stay off the phone. A message from CTIA, America's wireless companies, and the National Safety Council.
0: Liberty Council is a litigation, education and policy organization established to preserve and advance religious freedom, the sanctity of human life and the family. We have offices in various places around the United States and affiliate attorneys in all 50 states, plus a major outreach in the nation of Israel. Don't get discouraged about what's happening in our country and around the world. Get encouraged. Get on your knees in prayer and get involved. Stand with us in preserving our Judeo-Christian values. Visit lc.org.
4: My name's Tyler, and in nine years, I'll be an alcoholic. I'll start drinking in middle school, just at parties. But my parents won't start talking to me about it till high school.
2: Kids who drink before age 15 are five times more likely to have alcohol problems when they're adults.
4: The thing is, my parents won't even see it coming.
2: To get involved in your local community, visit StartTalkingNJ.com. A message from the U.S. Department of Health, the Ad Council, and the New Jersey Childhood Drinking Coalition.
1: Alright folks, this is the break from the political discussions and issues. Kind of kick back and listen to some good old music. Some good old rock and roll. Pretenders. Middle of the road. Gary Gatehouse. Getting after Lefty. Middle of
6: the road. He's trying to find me. I'm standing in with my pants behind me well, I got a smile for everyone I meet As long as you don't tie dragging my bay or dropping my Things like back i round Jeeps to the city where I know big diamond rings and silk suits. There's corrugated tin shacks full of kids, and so, man I don't mean a hamster nursery. When you own a big chunk of the bloody third world, the babies just come with the scenery. Right, come on, baby, mm, get in the road. Oh, come on now, in the middle of the road.
1: Gary Gatehouse, getting after Lefty. We not be in the middle of the road, no, 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 no way. We be over on the right side, cruising, getting after Lefty. All you folks up there on Restoration Radio International, hope you're having a great day. My mate over there in London, uh, Mr. Stephen Lang, Haven't said howdy to you in a while. I hope you're having a great day in those home of sunny intervals. Pints of beer, Skittles, fish and chips. My God, I wish I was back
3: there.
6: the sand said, yeah, I can't get from the cabin to cover with without.
1: Hey, I'd like to give a shout-out to all my listeners up there in Denmark and Sweden. Away over there in Italy, all you folks up there in France and Germany. Hey, my prayers are with you folks. I know you're dealing with a mess over there. Hang in there. Gary Gatehouse loves every one of you. Some new headlines about Hillary and Bill Clinton, Bubba Clinton, and all of his escapades past present, and all the cover-ups that his dolty wife, Hillary Rotten Clinton, all the cover-ups she uh, instituted and took care of back when Bill was uh, running the streets and chasing the skirts. Now, a lot of you have heard of this woman, uh, Linda Tripp. She made a a statement recently that said, I saved Monica Lewinsky from being killed. Linda Tripp claims Bill Clinton had all kinds of women that he had done. And she went on to say Bill Clinton's affairs numbered in the thousands. And Hillary Clinton's response was to disseminate information and destroy the women with whom he dallied. This is all according to Linda herself, Linda Tripp. Now, Linda Tripp was a key figure in the Monica Lewinsky scandal. She was a key figure. Everybody knew within the West Wing, particularly those who spent years with him, of the thousands of women. And this is what Linda Tripp was telling Breitbart News. She had an interview with Aaron Klein this last Sunday on the Aaron Klein Investigative Radio Report. She went on to say, but as to the hundreds of thousands, remember I worked closely with the closest aides to the president, Linda Tripp said, and it was a loosely goosey environment, so there was not a lot of holding back, so it was common knowledge. Let's put it this way. It was common knowledge within the West Wing that he had this problem with women. It was further common knowledge that Hillary was aware of all of what that was going on. You know, with Bill chasing the skirts and hammering every woman he could latch on to. This is Gary Gatehouse talking. Linda Tripp, who secretly, secretly recorded telephone calls from Lewinsky regarding her meetings with Bubba Bill Clinton, said she knew of another White House staffer who was having of uh, uh, an affair, a full-blown affair with Bubba Clinton, Bill Clinton. Now, Klein, the interviewer, previously interviewed Juanita Broderick, who alleges she was raped by Clinton while he was Attorney General in Arkansas. Tripp cited some of the many Clinton scandals during the 1990s. Filegate, Travelgate, Watergate, Vince Foster, noting the Clintons handled them all. Linda Tripp said, I watched a lying president and a lying first lady falsehoods present falsehoods one after another to the American people. So my dismay predated the January 1998 period when the Monica Lewinsky scandal surfaced. To me, it was very important that the American people see what I was seeing. My years with the Clintons were so disturbing on so many levels. Now, Ms. Tripp said Hillary Clinton personally targeted Bill's women and accusers. She went on to say, in my case, for instance, right after the Lewinsky story broke, she was heard directing staff. We're talking about Hillary now. She directed her staff to get anything and everything they could on Linda Tripp. So the defamation of character and the absolute assurance that my credibility would be destroyed begin right there, said Linda Tripp. And it happens with any woman who is involved in any way, either with Bubba Clinton in a physical relationship or an assault or anything that can endanger their political viability, she said, uh, Linda Tripp said all this in, in, in this interview. When the Lewinsky escapade became public knowledge, she said she feared for her life and Lewinsky's. This is, again, Linda Tripp talking. And she went on to say, I say today, and I will continue to say, that I believe Monica Lewinsky is alive today because of the choices I made and action I took. That might, might sound a bit melodramatic to you listeners. I can only say that from my perspective. I believe that she and I at the same time were in danger because nothing stands in the way of these people achieving their political ends. This was all said again in a, a radio interview Linda Tripp interview. She went on to say, I think that had it not become public when it did, particularly in the light of Paula Jones' lawsuit, which was coming to a head with President Clinton's deposition, that we may well have met with an accident. It's a situation where unless you live it as I did, you would have no real framework of reference for this sort of situation. Now, Linda Tripp went on to describe Lewinsky as blinded by Clinton and fancied herself in love. Clinton, she said, fancied himself entitled. It was nothing more than a servicing agreement. She romanticized that there were, it was all an affair. And when it didn't pan out the way she'd hoped it would, he had promised her. He would bring her back to the White House as soon as the 1996 election campaign had finished. This was all promised by Bubba to Lewinsky. When he didn't, he didn't do that. She essentially lost her mind and started acting erratic and frightening. Very frightening ways. Threatening the president. She said in an interview that Lewinsky was threatening to expose the affair. And she really never, ever realized the implications of threatening a president or her behavior. But I did, said Linda Tripp. That's because she explained the Clintons were different. Hillary Clinton gets to decide what she does. Look, the rules don't apply to the Clintons. If you understand that basic premise, you understand the Clintons. Linda Tripp noted that Lewinsky, the story, was exposed by Drudge Report. She went on to say, we don't have enough Matt Drudges out there. And he's sort of the one-man show, in my opinion, that the mainstream media doesn't touch in any way. So just personally, she said, I would thank him for his work. And people like me are dependent on people like him who get it out into the over the public airways and into the people's homes. And they can at least consider whether or not They want to believe the other side of the story about the Clintons, Linda Tripp said. Now, Broderick revealed that Bill Clinton pursued her by telephone after their 1978 encounter that she described as rape. Bill Clinton raped her. I called a nursing home that I owned, and they patched the call through to my office, and I didn't know that it was him. And he immediately said, Hi, this is Bill Clinton. I was just wondering when you were coming back to Little Rock again. She continued, This just caught me so off guard. I had no, not expected anything like this at all. And I told him I would not be coming back to Little Rock again and definitely would not be seeing him again. And I hung up. This is Broderick talking. You know, ladies and gentlemen, if you look at the whole Clinton Scenario: The whole scheme of things. There is a body, body count when you talk about the Clintons. You find dead people. Now, during Tripp's two-day de- deposition with attorneys from Judicial Watch on filegate issues, she mentioned a list that was given to her mysteriously. She believed that this list was a, a, a compiled and it was left at her workstation in the White House Counsel's Office by Lewinsky. It originated with former investigative reporter David Breshnan from WorldNet Daily. Known around the Internet as the body count, the list was a collection of names of people associated with Clinton administration scandals who died mysteriously, and in some cases violent deaths. Breshhand broke the story of the list during the summer of 1997 while researching his book, Cover-Up, The Art and Science of Political Deception. I started looking into the various deaths of people that were involved in various Clinton scandals. Brechand said in 1999, I started to investigate the entire picture instead of just one focused event. Brechand's list made its way to the head of the FBI and the Independent Council of Kenneth Starr. It was common discussion on radio talk shows, Breschner said. Every student of the Clinton scandals would run into the list. Breschner was able to construct such a lengthy list because he investigated all the scandals surrounding the Clintons. Nobody out there was putting it all together, he said. If you look at one scandal, you find one dead guy. When you investigate all Clinton scandals, you find similarities, you find common tactics, you find common actions, and you find dead people. Now, ladies and gentlemen, it was reported Kathleen Wiley and her husband Ed, well, they were Democrat activists who founded Virginians for Clinton and helped send Bill and Hillary to the White House in 1992. While serving as a volunteer in the White House and facing financial hard times, Wiley said she met with Bill Clinton in the Oval Office to request a paying position. But instead of getting help, she said, she was subjected to nothing short of serious sexual harassment. Distraught, Ms. Wiley fled Clinton's presence only to discover that her husband, Ed, had committed suicide that same tragic afternoon. Later, she was drawn unwillingly into the Paula Jones lawsuit, the Ken Star investigation and impeachment proceedings. Now, Wiley, author of the 2000 book, target caught in the crosshairs of Bill and Hillary Clinton has claimed the Clinton tag team Hillary and Bill used mob-style intimidation campaign to keep her silent even purportedly breaking into her home to steal her memoirs of the the events that transpired in the White House an explosive video detailing dozens of serious Clinton scandals is now going viral online with more than 1.3 million views Bill Clinton's sexual escapades and subsequent impeachment by the United States House of Representatives on charges of perjury and obstruction of justice consumed more than a year of American public life and bitterly divided the nation. That issue erupted into the current presidential race when Hillary Clinton accused the GOP frontrunner, Donald Trump, of being sexist. And he responded that her husband's sex scandals could become part of the political discussion. Now, Ms. Broderick joined the conversation through social media reminding the world that Democrat frontrunner Hillary Clinton tried to silence her when she accused Bill Clinton of raping her way back in 1978. NBC News recently reached out to her to set up an interview and tell her story. Then the network, which did not respond to a World Net Daily request for comment, decided there was no story, and they dropped it. Now, Miss Broderick's statements via Twitter. She says, I was 35 years old when Bill Clinton, Arkansas Attorney General, raped me, and Hillary tried to silence me. I'm now 73. It never goes away, she said. She went on to say... She was dreading seeing my abuser on TV campaign trail for Enabler Wife, but his physical appearance reflects ghosts of the past, and they're catching up with me. Then BuzzFeed reported NBC was very interested in an interview, but suddenly dropped the story. Why? Why did they drop the story? Because the mainstream media is in bed with the Clintons. They have been from day one when the Clintons occupied the governor's house in Arkansas. For some reason, the mainstream media has protected Bill and Hillary Clinton at every step of the way, from Arkansas to Washington, D.C., to New York State when Hillary ran and got the uh, nod to become senator for New York, to now when she is running for the nod from the Democrat Party to run as president candidate for the Democrat Party in 2016. The mainstream media continues to protect him, continues to lie for them, continues to stand shoulder to shoulder. I'm talking about NBC, CBS, uh, public broadcasting, sometimes Fox News. I'm talking about all the mainstream media, New York Times, etc. They protect the Clintons. They talk about Bill Clinton as some great American dude that is fantastic when it comes to politics, fantastic when it comes to influencing people, and they all talk about it in a positive manner. But ladies and gentlemen of America, Bill and Hillary Clinton are reprobates. Bill and Hillary Clinton are liars. Bill and Hillary Clinton are devoid of any morals whatsoever. They are devoid of any conscience whatsoever. The only thing that matters to them, and they have a crook in training, their daughter, Chelsea, the only thing that matters to the Clintons is money, power, the accumulation of more and more of those two things. That's all that matters to them. And they will lie. They will step on the toes. They will do whatever it takes to hold on to their power, their influence. They've used the American people. They've used the government system that we live under. They've used their office uh, of politics being the presidency, the governorship, the senator from New York, the secretary of state. They've used it all to accumulate wealth that they have, they're all phony. They're both liars. They're both crooks. They're both poor excuses for Americans. And all these women that have came forward and said, point blank, that Bill Clinton has raped him and groped him and exposed himself to him, and the mainstream media tries to cover it up. The mainstream media over the years has tried to cover it up. You know, ladies and gentlemen, when you talk about NBC, nothing but communist, you talk about CBS, communist broadcasting system, you talk about CNN, communist news network, you talk about ABC, always broadcasting communism when you talk about PBS, when you talk about some personalities on Fox News, and how they fawn all over Bill Clinton and his uh, supposed influence that he has in world politics. It's no reason for America to buy into any of this. There's no reason for America not to understand that these women are telling the truth about the Clintons. But there is one reason that a lot of Americans, uninformed, misinformed, I don't give a damn Americans, they buy into whatever the mainstream media says, as gospel, as the news. Because they don't have enough time, or they don't want to devote enough time to actually learning the truth. I have sit down and talked with Democrats, some in my own family, That have sworn that Bill and Hillary Clinton are the pinnacle of, at the pinnacle of politics in the positive. They're fantastic people. And they couldn't understand why I stood against them and argued against everything they stood for. These are the type of Democrats that would would vote for a parakeet as president as long as, as it had a Democratic sign hanging off its neck. These are the kind of people that would vote for a Democrat regardless of what they did or doing. And it's pretty evident when you look at Hillary Clinton standing up on that stage in those debates and going around the country lying through her teeth. And the crowds that are behind her are mostly old women, old men, and a bunch of young women. They are mesmerized by this worn-out old hag who has nothing to offer America but more heartache, more scandal, more lies. But it seems some Americans just don't get it. You're listening to the Gary Gatehouse radio show. When's the getting after lefty? You know, folks, when you look at the Clintons, and you look at all that they've done in the past, the Clintons are a product of corrupt politics. A product of America's communist-controlled colleges. They have no morals. They have no conscience. They are void of any feelings. They are cold and calculated. And they will turn on anyone that stands against them and their never-ending quest for more money and more power. Bottom line, ladies and gentlemen, Patriots of America, the bottom line, those who follow them, those who support them, are no better than the Clintons. All from the same cut of cloth, if you will. Devoid of any morals whatsoever. It's coming up on the hour now. And that means just one thing. It's time for the hourly news. And we're going to take a break for the five minute news. And when we come back at the second, during the second hour, we're going to be talking about state of Missouri goes after Christians and their children. We're going to be discussing that. We're going to be discussing some other things that have went down in the United States of America. We're going to be st- discussing some things that have went down in Europe. We're going to be discussing some things about what Glenn Beck has said about Donald Trump and why and how Glenn Beck has fallen off the table of reality, why he surrounds himself with such sup so- so- sophomore people as those two dolts that sit at the table with him every day when he uh, has his Glenn Beck radio show. I watch him on, t- on TV sometimes. And those two guys are absolute. They're, they're, there's something wrong with them. That's all I can say. And we'll be talking about Syrian refugees admitted since Paris attack. And we'll look at the numbers. How many Muslims have been admitted to the United States. And how many Christians have been admitted to the United States. By the Barack Hussein Obama Jr. regime. You'll be astounded. We'll be back. After to the 5-Minute News.
4: You are listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show. Gary will be back after the Fox 5-Minute News break. Fox.
7: News Radio, I'm Kathleen Maloney. A big name in the GOP jumping on the Trump for President
2: bandwagon.
1: Former Alaska Governor and Republican VP nominee Sarah Palin is endorsing
2: the billionaire frontrunner. In a statement, Trump calls Palin a friend and a high-quality person. The same campaign release describes Palin's endorsement as one of the most sought-after this primary. Palin had been a supporter of Ted Cruz's run for the Senate, a fact the Trump campaign is pointing out in announcing this endorsement in Iowa where Paul show Cruz,
7: not Trump, in the lead. Fox News Radio's Jared Halpern. No reaction from Cruz on the campaign trail. If I'm elected president, let me tell you what I intend to do on the first day in office. The first thing I intend to do is rescind every single illegal and unconstitutional executive action. Cruz campaigning in New Hampshire. Michigan Governor Rick Snyder has a lot of explaining to do when he delivers his State of the State address tonight. Two new class action suits now filed in Flint over the city's contaminated water. People, of course, are talking about rashes. They're talking about hair loss. They're talking about seizures that never happened before we're talking to women that have had miscarriages we're talking to people who are psychologically having breakdowns based on the anxiety of not knowing how this is going to impact their children moving forward in the future or impact Your own health. Attorney Carrie McGee. The water crisis caused by an emergency manager appointed by the governor. Stocks barely avoid another down day. The Dow edging up 27 points. S&P inching up one point. Nasdaq down 11. Tiffany down 5 percent after reporting poor holiday sales for jewelry and the price of oil sinking to just under $29 a barrel. You're listening to Fox News Radio. Fair and balanced. Today my new dad threw a barbecue.
2: Today my new son and I threw a barbecue. There
7: were burgers and chicken.
2: I burnt everything. The burgers, the chicken, the salad. Ah, they were delicious. They were awful.
7: And then and then we had watermelon.
2: <laughs> I'm allergic to watermelon. And then we played catch. I broke Mr. Lewis's window. Mrs. Wakeham's window. Mrs. Wakeham's windshield. And then, somehow, my hand.
1: My hand!
2: (laughs) And then my dad even let me drive his
7: car. The hospital's on the right!
0: It was a rough day.
7: It was a great day.
3: You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Thousands of kids in foster care will take you just as you are. For more information on how you can adopt, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt U.S. Kids, and the Ad Council.
7: After spending more than four years in an Iranian prison, a former U.S. Marine released last weekend is feeling a range of
6: emotions. Ecstatic, happy, Uh, anxious to get home. Nobody really believed it. Everybody was just sort of in a state of disbelief, and we still are. Amir
7: Hekmati freed with three other Americans, including a pastor.
0: North Carolina Congressman Robert Pittinger spent about 90 minutes today talking in Germany with Pastor Said Abedini, just freed by Iran.
2: He was in good spirits and really good health. He felt good. And we had a great conversation. The North Carolina Republican has been among those pushing for Abedini's release. for The last six months, they really took pretty good care of him because they wanted him to look good when they released
0: him. Bittinger feels the pastor will be able to overcome and move on from his time in captivity. In North Carolina, Chris Hoke, Fox News.
7: The NTSB investigating a deadly Greyhound bus accident in California. The bus was in the carpool lane headed to San Jose from Los Angeles, and when it crashed, it toppled over the median on Highway 101. Two women were ejected and killed. Several others were taken to hospitals. I have
2: one uh, with major injuries, it was an adult male, and then the eight other injuries were minor.
7: CHP officer Chris Maselli says the driver was one of those with minor injuries. At least one passenger who was not injured was adamant that the crash happened as the bus driver fell asleep. That the driver had even pulled over a few miles before the crash to wake himself up.
2: Yeah, we're looking into that, but um, I've definitely heard that 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 was an issue. So, but we haven't, you know, ruled that out.
7: It was also raining at the time of the accident. Jessica Rosenthal, Fox News. The Reverend Al Sharpton is asking you not to watch the Academy Awards next month. A protest over the list of Oscar nominees that doesn't include a single African-American in the acting category. Director Spike Lee also skipping the ceremony even though he is being honored this year for Lifetime Achievement. I'm Kathleen Maloney, Fox News Radio.
4: You are listening
1: to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show. That you are, darling, and welcome back to the second hour of the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show. Getting a, after lefty. You know, ladies and gentlemen, uh, a, a listener of mine sent me this article. And it's about what is transpiring in the state of Missouri flyover country. And it's about Christians. It involves Christians. and involves the government of the great state of Missouri and the federal government. Now, it boils down to this. In recent years, there's been a study conducted, and it seems that in playground situations, where you have swing sets and sliding boards and all that stuff for little kids, they found that gravel that usually you usually see at the playgrounds is not really that safe for us little kids, our little kids. And us guys and, and gals that uh, grown up sliding down the sliding boards and on... On the swings and stuff, we've known over a period of time. Well, we most most can say that su- we've suffered uh, skin knees or cut knees or elbows by falling on that gravel that is spread around the playgrounds. Well, they ran a study and they found that it's safer to use repurposed uh, tires. They cut them up into little bitty small chunks, rubber, and it's safer to use that than gravel. There are fewer injuries on the playgrounds, but the case is over a decision involving all this. This discussion about safety on the playground and using these these repurposed tires, these automobile tires, which I said, like I said, are covered uh, cut up in little chunks, and they take the place of gravel that you normally see on a playground. But the case, like I said, is. Is a decision by the state of Missouri to exclude one particular preschool and daycare center from the state program, the Missouri state program, that provides this safer material, these these cut up tires and chunks. And they're doing this, they're not providing this particular preschool access to this program that provides this material because this particular preschool is Christian. It is, a, it is founded, uh, the school is a Christian faith. Now, in the most recent ruling in the case, Trinity Lutheran Church of Columbia, Missouri, this is Pauley, the 8th U.S. Central uh, Circuit Court of Appeals, they have upheld a district court's decision that the state is justified in denying the center access to the program because it is ran by a Christian church. Lawyers now, now the lawyers with the Alliance Defending Freedom, who represent the child center, the Christian child center, they filed a brief just before Christmas. Charging the state defines neutrality as treating religious organizations worse than everyone else. This is not neutrality, they said, but hostility towards a certain religion, uh, uh, the re- Christian religion, which violates the Free Exercise and Equal Protection Clause. Now, the Alliance Defending Freedom contend the state should be choosing applicants neutrally, and uh, the whole neutrality of the situation. It would neutrally select a scrap tire grant recipients based on merit without regard to religion, they said. The grant program uses funds raised from a fee on new tires paid by religious and non-religious citizens of Missouri alike. It funds only neutral materials, safe rubber playground surfaces, the criteria used to select grant recipients is completely neutral other than the blanket exclusion of churches including factors such as number one a description of the need for the project number two description on how the rubber material will be contained or supported and number three the poverty level of citizens in the surrounding area now ladies and gentlemen can the state define religious neutrality as treating religious organizations worse than everyone else? Is there some reason that taxpayers who are Christians cannot partake in state programs because they are Christians? They pay taxes just like non-Christians. They send their kids to a, a Christian school. What is the problem with that? Child safety is just as important on church daycare playgrounds, as it is in other uh, daycare playgrounds. Missouri and every state should understand that the United States Constitution prohibits religious hostility, which is what Missouri exhibited when it denied Trinity Lutheran scrap tire grant application. Now, folks, this case has huge implications for state constitutional provisions across the nation, that treat religious Americans and organizations as inferior solely because of their religious identity. The uh, Trinity Lutheran Christian Learning Center in Columbia sought to participate in the playground scrap uh, surface material grant program, and it was denied. The center wanted to remove and replace a large portion of the pea gravel surrounding on its playgrounds with a safer, recycled, pour in place rubberized product. The Missouri Department of Natural Resources disqualified the Learning Center solely because Trinity Lutheran Church of Columbia, Missouri operates uh, and it is part of a religious organization. And the, the city... Uh, this The state cited a state constitutional limit on providing state assistance to churches. Patriots, this is just another example of how Christians are being persecuted in America today. You know, if that were a playground operated by a mosque for Muslims, there probably would not be any problem whatsoever. Just another day in America, ladies and gentlemen. Just another day in America. Christians thrown to the lions once again. We'll be right back at your few short messages. You're listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show, Preacher of Conservatism. Coming at you all the way from South Texas, USA.
2: I'm Marie Osmond choices some are minor others life-changing but what if your small choices matter the most like the stairs or the elevator baked or fried what if these small choices determine if you'll be the one out of every three women who die of heart disease this year these choices might not seem life-changing today but women are dying of heart disease at the rate of almost one per minute luckily it's mostly preventable choose to act our hearts our choice make your choice at GoRedForWomen.org. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Enjoy your freedom. Support combat wounded veterans, presented by the Military Order of the Purple Heart. For more information, visit (laughs) www.purpleheart.org.
1: You're listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show, Getting After Lefty Wednesday Edition. She's a boss like you. Yeah, I think we all go insane once or twice a week, we Listen to all the media and hoopla, watching hags like Hillary Clinton spewing her guts and her progressive communist ideology all over the internet and all over the News media and the news media is standing up there, clapping his hands and raising their hands and saying, "Right on, Hillary!" I go insane. I really do. <laughs> Coming up, uh, we have uh, a rumor that's going to blow your socks off. Stay tuned. Patriots, there's a rumor afloat. Now wait for this. This is exciting. There is a rumor out there that Mrs. Sarah Palin will soon be endorsing Donald Trump and will be present in Iowa before the caucuses kick off. The rumor also says that she will then be with Donald Trump on his campaign trail. Like I said, this is a rumor. But it's going through the media like I don't know, hot knife through a butter, stick of butter. You know, ladies and gentlemen, Sarah Palin, the sweetheart of conservatism, a lady that we all love. Could this be true? Could this rumor really be true that she will be endorsing Donald Trump and accompanying him on his campaign trail running up to the election election? for the Republican nominee for the presidency. Sarah Palin, Donald Trump. That's out of sight, man. But let's wait and see. Let's wait and see if this rumor has the mainstream media. It's all up, in, up in and a rumbling about it. Let's wait and see if this rumor has merit. And I bet you all the socialist supporters out there are talking in a shaky voice. Sarah Palin, the one that they have tried to rake over the coals so many times. And if you listen to Sarah Palin in the past, and you listen to her commentary and the way she speaks, she's a female Donald Trump. Political correctness does not resonate. With Sarah Palin never has she tells it like it is she stands up for the American people and our way of life. Can you imagine Sarah Palin out on the campaign trail with Donald Trump? My God, what a winner that would be! What a winner that would be, like I said it's just a it's just a rumor right now, but it has the socialists and the communists and the Marxists and the progressives and the Democrat Party and yes, and even some circles, the Republican leadership talking with a shaky voice. Now there's something else going on here that we need to talk about. So grab yourself a chair and just pull it up to the kitchen table or grab yourself a chair and pull it up next to the table here and we'll have a, have a beer or two and we're going to talk about this. Now I understand that out in the United States of America coast to coast, north, south, east and west, there are a lot of Glenn Beck supporters. I understand this. But I have to ask the question, has Glenn Beck has he lost it? It seems like Mr. Trump thinks so. And as far as that goes, so do I Gary Gatehouse. I think so too. Now, there's a headline out there that says Trump slams dopey Glenn Beck. Radio host spreads hoax tweet that Donald voted for Obama in 2008. Donald Trump slammed Glenn Beck as a dopey after the radio host disseminated a fake tweet that alleged the Republican presidential frontrunner voted for President Obama in 2008. Now, Beck tweeted a photoshopped image, originally from a fake trumptweet.com, that purported to show Mr. Trump's support for Mr. Obama. Why do you keep saying things like you didn't vote for Obama? Just admit it, at real Donald Trump, Mr. Beck demanded. Mr. Beck repeated the false claim Friday night on the Fox News. He voted for Obama in, in 2008. Come on, Bill. He told Bill O'Reilly on the Bill O'Reilly show. Beck, Glenn Beck, tweeted a photoshopped image originally from fake that purported to show Mr. Donald Trump's support for Mr. Obama. And again, he said, why do you keep saying things like you didn't vote for for Barack Obama? Just admit it, at real Donald Trump, Beck demanded. And he repeated that, like I said, on the O'Reilly show. But you know, ladies and gentlemen of America, what's going on with Trump these, I mean Beck these days? What's going on with him? After realizing the image was fake, Glenn Beck took to Facebook to issue an apology. He said, and I quote, my apologies for the misinformation. I will always leave with my mistakes. It does appear this is this is to be fake, My fault for not checking it far enough myself. I take complete responsibility for the error. I owe Donald Trump an apology for the error of this tweet. More importantly, I owe you an apology for making the water muddy where the water is crystal clear on his record. Now on Saturday in New York, Hampshire, in New Hampshire, Mr. Trump. Took the opportunity to uh, go after Mr. Beck personally and professionally. And Trump said, This dopey guy, Glenn Beck, he looks like hell. No, he's not He's li- He's not. He- he's like a dope. And I've watched him cry on television all the time. He's doing very badly. His thing is falling apart. His company is falling apart. And he went on to say, Mr. Beck is only bitter because he refuses to give an interview. This is Donald Trump talking. Refuses to give Mr. Beck an interview. The reason he doesn't like me is because I didn't do his show. He asked me so many times, do my show, do my show. And I didn't do it because I don't respect him. I couldn't do it because I was so busy. I couldn't do his show, just time-wise. And all of a sudden, uh, sudden, enough time goes by, so he starts hitting at me. But on Monday, this last Monday, Glenn Beck issued another Facebook post saying that while he knows the image he tweeted about Mr. Trump voting for Obama was a hoax, he still believes Mr. Donald Trump voted for Obama in 2008. In other words, Glenn Beck called Mr. Donald Trump a liar, called him a liar. Now, I'm going to come clean. Gary Gatehouse is going to come clean. I'll confess I used to be a follower of Glenn Beck. I used to put a a lot of validity in what Glenn Beck said and his approach to exposing things in the political arena. Watching his show, his radio show that's televised, and watching his two sidekicks that are about as much sophomoric as one can, can be, their childish way they conduct themselves on the air, with their comical approach to even the most serious issues. I just, I just had to turn Beck off. It seems everything revolves around him. And he comes off as the all-knowing, all-seeing guru. I really don't think his lack of uh, support of, of Trump is really going to make, make Trump feel bad. I don't think it is. Trump uh, can get along quite well without without Glenn Beck's support. But you know, I, and again, I really don't think his lack of endorsement, his lack of support for any of the candidates is something that will impact on the support or outcome of the presidential candidate selection process. To me, Mr. Glenn Beck's days as a viable talk show host are fast fading away. I hate to say that because I used to like Glenn. He used to be come across as a nice guy, and he still does. I don't know what's going on in his life. I don't know what's going on with his company behind the scenes. I don't know what's going on with all the folks that re, are reportedly leaving him to be CEOs. All I know is Mr. Glenn Beck's probably in some hard times right now. But to make a statement like he did about Obama, Obama being voted uh, by. Uh, Trump Trump voting for Obama and without making really any clear investigation before he opened his mouth. You pay the price. You pay the price, Mr. Beck. You pay the price for flying off the handle. And one ad- word of advice, if I can give any in to you, is on your radio show. I used to I used to pay attention to it and listen to it a lot. Because it came up right before Limbaugh did. And riding down the road, or whatever, I used to enjoy listening to how you expounded on how history played a part in today and yesterday and how it impacted on politics today and that that, that type of thing just just out just amused me and it kept me tuned into you because it I'm a, a history buff myself. But when you started going on all different kinds of directions on your radio show it lost any validity with me and especially those two guys you have sitting on either side of you they're a mockery of you Mr. Beck and I think you would do well without them I know I'm just a little measly radio show talk talk show host that doesn't command the attention that you have well over fifty radio, 500 radio stations nationwide. I know you work hard. And I know you have many, many irons in the fire. And I know you're a Christian. And I know you pay attention to a lot of issues that involve Christians. And I pray that you get your act together. And I pray that your radio show comes back around to where it used to be. Until then... When your show comes on, in my house, you're going to hear a click. The radio's being turned off. This is Gary Gatehouse, and we'll be back after a few short messages. Everybody's working for the weekend. This is Gary Gatehouse. Make sure you tune in to Restoration Radio International Weekends to listen to the Gary Gatehouse radio shows back-to-back. Wow. We'll be right back after the Liberty Council Report. Stand by.
0: Today is the March for Life rally in Washington, D.C. I am Matt Staver, founder and chairman of Liberty Council. We'll talk about this next on Freedom's Call. Today, Liberty Council will join hundreds of thousands who are gathering in Washington, D.C. for the annual March for Life rally. This is a somber day for us to remember and mourn the anniversary of Roe v. Wade and the 57 million children lost to abortion since the Supreme Court ruling. Please pray that politicians and those in the media listen and report on the devastation this has caused our nation. Millions of individuals who are not in the workforce or not creating jobs for others, people who could be scientists, engineers, doctors, mothers, and others have all been lost to the tragedy of abortion. We need to end abortion and restore our sanctity of human life in America. The good news is that half of the people at this March for Life are in their 20s. This is good news for our future. In Congress, in the courtroom, and in your community, Liberty Council is advancing life, liberty, and the family. Log on to lc.org.
5: Every day, nearly 4,000 unborn children are denied life and love. National Right to Life is working to change that. For more than 30 years, National Right to Life has worked through education and legislation to make sure that every child is given the opportunity to share their love, their gifts, and their talents with the world. Our work now is more critical than ever. Respect for Life is being attacked on all fronts and at all stages, from the tiniest unborn child to the medically dependent and disabled to our elderly citizens. It is the support of our members, pro-life men and women from across the country, that helps to advance our cause. Join with National Right to Life and countless other pro-life men and women and make a unified stand for life. This has been a perspective on life from National Right to Life. For more information, visit our website, www.nrlc.org. That's
6: nrlc.org.
1: Hey, and welcome back. You're listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show, Wednesday edition. Hope you're having a great day wherever you're at in God's big, beautiful world. You know, Patriots, we talk a lot about Obama and his love of the Muslim religion, his support of the Muslim religion, and how he turns his back on Christianity, and it seems like he's always chastising Christians for doing something wrong down through history, whatever. But he always has a good word for Muslims and Islam. He always has a good, outstanding uh, way of looking at Islam and always praising them for what they uh, supposedly have done in the past, in history, etc., Now I want you to listen to this little speech he gave and see if you can detect his praise of Islam and see if you can detect his love of Islam and the Iranian people and the Iranian government, the people he's in bed with, the people who he just gave over a billion dollars to, the government he just said, yeah, go ahead and build your atomic bombs and nuclear bombs. Have a listen to what he has to say.
3: Of course, uh, even as we implement the nuclear deal and welcome our Americans home, we recognize that there remain profound differences between the United States and Iran. We remain steadfast in opposing Iran's destabilizing behavior elsewhere, including its threats against Israel and our Gulf partners, and its support for violent proxies in places like Syria and Yemen. We still have sanctions on Iran for its violations of human rights, for its support of terrorism, and for its ballistic missile program, and we will continue to enforce these sanctions vigorously. Iran's recent missile test, for example, was a violation of its international obligations. And as a result, the United States is imposing sanctions on individuals and companies working to advance Iran's ballistic missile program, and we are going to remain vigilant about it. We're not going to waver in the defense of our security or that of our allies and partners. But I do want to once again speak directly to the Iranian people. Yours is a great civilization with a vibrant culture that has so much to contribute to the world, in commerce and in science and in arts. For decades, your government's threats and actions to destabilize your region have isolated Iran from much of the world. And now our governments are talking with one another. Following the nuclear deal, you, especially young Iranians, have the opportunity to begin building new ties with the world. We have a rare chance to pursue a new path, a different, better future that delivers progress for both our peoples and the wider world. That's the opportunity before the Iranian people. We need to take advantage of that.
1: You know, folks, you sometimes wonder if Obama's speechwriter isn't Valerie Jarrett. She's an Iranian, and a lot of people believe, as I do, that she runs the White House when it comes to affairs that dealing with the Middle East. But you know, Patriots, Obama tries to pass himself off as a Christian, and we who pay attention know he isn't. But like I said, do you think maybe Valerie Jarrett wrote that little speech? What a bunch of hogwash that was. But again, just another example of Obama's love for Muslims. Islam. Always praying Muslims. Always praising them. Always and always finding faults with Christians. Oh, I forgot he is a Christian. Really? Give me a break. Patriots, this guy has not only sold out... We the people, he has trashed our religion, Christianity, and pushes his Islam, his religion, onto us each and every day. Then we have a man like Donald Trump that stands up and says, We Christians should stand up for ourselves. We should be standing shoulder to shoulder to protect our religion. It's time we do that, patriots. We have a man in the White House, we have a mainstream media. We have many in Congress that are in bed with Islam. They support Islam and its cause. And if you read between the lines, they have no problem at all with Sharia law. They have no problem at all with Muslims cutting Christians' heads off in the Middle East. No problem whatsoever with the Obama regime. No problem whatsoever with the mainstream media. You know, ladies and gentlemen, I'll give you another example that Obama and his so-called regime is all in with Muslims. Remember how much he pushed Syrian refugees coming to our country? He was talking about it every day, how great of an asset they would be to our country. How many refugees have been admitted to the United States Syrian refugees since a Paris attack. And how many Christians from the Middle East have been admitted to our country since a Paris attack? 482 Muslims have been admitted to the United States Syrian refugees. How many Christians? One. Since the Paris attacks last November, with heightened concerns about potential security risk in the refugee admission program, 482 Muslims admitted, and only one is a Christian. One. The sole Christian among the 480-plus Muslims is identified at by State Department Refugee Processing Center data as an adherent of the Greek Orthodox Church. Now Christians account for an estimated 10% of the Syrian population. ISIS has frequently singled out Christians and other non-Muslim minorities in its brutal campaign in both Syria and Iraq, decapitating them, taking their goods, taking their families and separating them, selling their daughters off into sex slaves. These numbers don't lie. Apart from those Syrians that were admitted, 125 of them were men between the ages of 14 and 50. You know, ladies and gentlemen of America, when we talk about Obama... And his hatred. And that's the way I put it. His hatred for Christianity. And his love for his religion, Islam. Oh yeah, there's a lot of people out there that deny the fact that Obama's a Muslim. They've yet to connect the dots. Yet to listen to all the speeches he's made since day one coming on the scene as president. On his apology to her. To the Middle East, apologizing to the Middle Easterns about we Americans, we the people, and our religion, chastising Christians at the prayer breakfast, constantly going after Christians in one way or the other. One can truly say who pays attention that Obama is a Muslim. He was raised a Muslim. He has no love whatsoever for Christians or the religion but you know ladies and gentlemen you have a man like Donald Trump who spoke out like I said earlier and reminded Christians that we literally are on our own with this regime and with a lot of people that are in government they side they side ladies and gentlemen with Islam and they throw Christians under the bus now, there's something going on in Europe that we folks who pay attention know that is not right. We know places like Sweden, England, France, Germany, Italy, are being overran by Muslim, mainly men, bringing the religion of Islam with them and their Koran and preaching all that the Islamic religion says about infidels that they have to demean infidels. They can use them the way they like. And they come to Europe with the open arms of European leaders saying, come on in. And yet the people of Europe are the ones who really suffer. Now there's news coming from Europe reporting on the continued rape and harassment of European women by filthy Muslim men. Now if you go up on my website today and you can type in Gary Gatehouse Radio Show at Wix.com W-I-X, or just Google Gary Gatehouse or I'll post it later up on Twitter and on Facebook. I'm going to be posting an exclusive look at what Muslim women, Muslim men are doing to Swedish women and how they look at swedish women is nothing but a literally a hunk of meat that they can use for sex and to rape women in her, in sweden women in europe are being abused daily by muslim men that have came to their countries came to sweden came to denmark came to england france germany at the behest of their leadership European leadership, the European governments with complete disregard for their European population. And some of these leaders in some of these countries have told the women of their countries that they're more or less going to have to suck it up and live with it because Muslims are here to stay. And what they do to European women is of no regard to the leaders of Europe. They could care less if you read between the lines because they're all in bed with Muslims as well. Now there's a woman who filmed being harassed by at least two Muslim men in Sweden. And she begins a recording after one groped her as she walked past. She confronted the men and one of these men repeatedly asked her to make sex. Despite her angry refusal the man continued to offer her money for sex Here's a brief a brief narrative of what transpired on the video The Muslim man Can I make sex with you The Swedish woman What did you say The man Can I make sex with you The Swedish woman But he tried to touch my backside do you think that's okay Man who The girl, hey, the guy who just walked past, your friend, is it okay to touch my backside or what? The Muslim man, I don't understand what you mean. The Swedish woman, I'm sorry, what do you understand? He touched my backside, your friend grabbed my backside. What do you want? What do you want? The the Muslim man, no, no, can I make sex with you? The Swedish woman, no, never. The man, the Muslim man, why? Why? The Swedish woman, absolutely not. Go, leave. The Muslim man, why? The Swedish woman, I'm recording this whole thing. So yeah, mate, keep going. The Swedish man, the the Muslim man, I'll give you money. The Swedish woman, what did you say? You think I'm a whore? The Muslim man, calm down, I'll give you money. The Swedish woman, what do you guys want? Now the whole context of this and the video will be embedded on the Getting After Lefty website. And I'll leave a link up on Twitter and a link on Facebook for you all to go up and have a look at this. This is sad. This is this is perverted. This is an infringement on that woman, that Swedish woman's right to be a human being, a woman to walk the streets without being harassed by these slimeball filthy-ass Muslims that come from from, the Middle East. Ladies and gentlemen of America, if we don't wise up real quick, it's coming to our country. Do you want your daughters groped and talked to like these people talk to this Swedish woman? I think not. I feel sorry for them. I feel sorry that their governments have let them down and will not stand by them. It's a kick in the teeth to all Europeans. It's not just happening in Sweden. It's happening in England, in this great city of London. It's happening all over Europe. And like I said, the leaders of those countries, well, they just let it happen. They do nothing about it. These atrocities committed against the women of Europe, the European women of Europe, By these filthy scumbags that come from the Middle East has got to stop. Where are the European men? Why aren't you standing up for your women? Are you hiding under your desks? Where are you? Let's get out there and protect the women of your country. Your government's not going to do it. It's up to you, men of Europe. Do you respect your women? Do you want these Ms. Middle Eastern slime balls groping your women? Do you want them walking by and grabbing your women by the butt? Do you want the, them telling them they want sex and will pay for it? Literally calling your European women whores? Come on, guys of Europe. Come on, men of Europe. Let's go up big some big guys here. Let's stand up for your women, your moms, your daughters, your girlfriends. It's on you guys because your government's damn well has thrown you all out in the cold. We'll be right back. Somewhere in a bunker in Phoenix, Arizona, rebooting Liberty Radio Network and Gary Gatehouse Radio Show. Tune in. See what Gary's up to. See what Rebooting Liberty Radio Network's up to. Conservative talk at its best. Tune in to Gary every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on Rebooting Liberty Radio Network. Be there! Hey, this Gary Gatehouse, and I'd like to give you a hot flash here. Trade Martin, that's right, Trade Martin, famous producer... Famous music writer now has his own radio show on Sunday morning. That's right, Big Dog Radio. And you can get him on BigDogRadioBlogTalkRadio.com. Don't forget, every Sunday morning, 9.30 Eastern Standard Time. Now to close out the radio show today, I have some comments I would like to make about the black community here in America. In 2014, the United States Census Bureau estimated 45 million African Americans in the United States, meaning that 14.3% of the total American population of 318.9 million is black. This includes those who identify as black only and as black in combination with another race. The black only category, by itself, told 42.2 million African-Americans, or a total of 13.2 percent of the total population of the United States of America. According to 2012 U.S. Census Bureau American Community Survey, the poverty rate for all African-Americans in 2012 was 28.1 percent, which is an increase from 25.5 percent in 2005. Actually, the poverty rate increased between 2005 and 2012 for even for every demographic of African Americans except those over the age of 65 who experienced a decrease from 21.2 to 19%. Black families with children under the age of 18 headed by a single mother had the highest rate of poverty in the United States, 47.5% compared to only 8.4% of married Couples, black couples here in the United States of America. Now, ladies and gentlemen, the amount of African Americans who receive public assistance, welfare, varies greatly depending on the type of assistance. According to the U.S. Census Bureau, 11.5% of African Americans live in government housing or Section 8 housing, while 13.6% receive TANF cash assistance formerly referred to as welfare checks. Just over 25% of African Americans receive SNAP benefits, formerly known as food stamps. All of these statistics include those who actually receive assistance and those who live with them. The largest benefit received by blacks is Medicaid health insurance, which mostly consists of black children. About 41.5% of blacks' households were using SNAP food stamps in 2013, compared to 19% of all households and 11.4% of white households. These These were all sources that I looked at, all coming from the U.S. Census Bureau 2013. Historically, blacks have always voted for Democrats have always supported Democrat causes, and have always stood with Democrats on most issues, both political and economical and social. Not being black myself, I have a different view on why blacks are economically, politically, educationally behind other race groups. That reason being, they have sided over the decades with Democrats. The Democrats have managed to hoodwink the black community. Democrats constantly promise blacks that they will get them out of the ghetto and onto mainstream, media, mainstream, yet that never happens. Democrat politicians always show up at black churches just before election time and spew their lies and promises to the black community. And what is really sad, most blacks buy into it. The black community, for the most part, lives in, a, in our larger cities. As for the most part, the largest cities of America are ran by Democrat mayors, with most cities, these, most states these cities reside in being ran by Democrat governors. Keeping blacks on the welfare plantation is part of the Democrat plan from day one, and it was developed decades ago in the Democrat Party, always holding a carrot out but never coming through with the promises they make, never allowing blacks access to those promises. Made by Democrat politicians. Bottom line here. There was a man running for the presidential nod on the Republican side. His name is Donald Trump. As we all know, he's a successful businessman and entrepreneur. Who I believe sees no color. No skin color. But only sees Americans as for what they are. His people. It makes sense for African Americans to get behind Donald Trump. He is indeed a breath of fresh air in what has been stale politically air, political air for years. Mr. Trump will do America good, all of us, black, white, green, or yellow. I, Gary Gatehouse, support Donald Trump. And I hope the black community will rid itself from the shackles of the Democrat Party. And get behind a man that will get all Americans out of the ditch and back on the main road again economically. Donald Trump, when he opens his mouth and makes promises, he will stand by those promises. They are not promises just to get votes and then leave us all laying by the roadside as he marches on. The black community, for decades and decades and decades, has been abused by the Democrat Party. The black community for decades has been told one lie after another about the, the Republicans, conservatives, and those folks, by all majors are white folks. We white folks who really care about Americans don't look at color. We look at us all as Americans. When I served in Vietnam, On the battlefield, I didn't look around to find another white guy to uh, climb in a foxhole with under fire. I looked at an American, American uniform. It didn't make any difference if he was black, white, green, yellow, Protestant, whatever. He was an American. And that's the way Americans should look at each other. That's the way Donald Trump looks at America and Americans. I honestly think, coming from the bottom of my heart, that black community and a black leadership, the conservative leadership, the, the leadership of the black churches of America, I honestly believe they would do well for their communities, they would do well for their black constituents, their black congregations, the black people of America, who have just as much to do with the success of this country as any other race, from day one. I firmly believe this with all my heart. And I honestly believe that Mr. Donald Trump does the same. Now, patriots, I had to say this. I had to put it out front because I've been getting a lot of emails asking me where I stand with the black community, where I stand with black folks. I have nothing wrong to say about black folks. Black folks are Americans. Asian folks are Americans. Hispanic folks that are here, all these folks legally are Americans. White folks are Americans. We all have an American heritage. We all live under the same constitution. We all live under the same rules of law. We all have families we had to support. We all have moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas, ancestors. We all have children, those of us who are married and do have children, who we worry about every day. Many Americans, black, white, green, yellow, worry about where the next meal is coming from, sometimes for their children. But the Democrat Party has drawn, drawn a big wedge between the rest of America, and the black community. And Barack Hussein Obama Jr. is out front hammering that wedge deeper into American society every day with his rhetoric and the way he tries to present things as going down in America between the races. He is not a unifier, as we all hoped he would be. He is a divider and a usurper who is using the black race pitting them against the white race and vice versa. This is no good for America. This is no good for the economy. This is no good for future generations. This is no good for our children, our grandchildren, regardless of what race they are. Again, before I close the show today, I would like to ask the black community to really sit down and think it out to really go over what you have been promised what you have received the lies that you've been told to by the democrat party as far back as the democrat party goes when it's been involved with the black community you have been sold a bill of goods and you can join us white folks in many instances have been sold a bill of goods as well our government has turned its back on all of us, we the people, black, white, green, and yellow. Like I've said on my show many, many times, we the people are on our own. But a new day is coming. A new day is coming in America when we as American people will have new leaders, a new leader in the White House, a leader that will Understand the plight of the black community, the poor white community, Hispanic community, Asian community, all of us as Americans who will throw his hat in the ring and represent us as a people, a united people of America. We have to live with what we have right now for just another 12 months or so. When Barack Hussein Obama Jr. will leave the White House and take his ideology of divisiveness, his ideology of socialism, socialism, his hatred towards Christians, he can take it with him when he leaves the White House for the last day. And when that day comes, I hope that all America will come together and rejoice. And I hope the man in the White House come that January of 2017 will go by the name Mr. Donald Trump. A man that will unite us. A man that will come through on what he's promised. You've been listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show Wednesday edition. Getting after Lefty. I hope you've uh, enjoyed the program. If you have, you can drop me a line at garygatehouse at hush, h-u-s-h dot com. Let me know what you think. I get a lot of emails from Europeans, more so than Americans. Why, I don't know. So all you folks out there in the heartland, all you folks in flyover country, all you folks down south, all you conservatives in the United States, black, white, green, or yellow, drop me a line. Let me know what you think about this show. If you have some ideas on how I should change it, let me know that too. I appreciate your input. Until Friday, this is the Gary Gatehouse radio show wishing you all a great day. God bless you. God bless your families. God bless America. God bless our military. God bless all my patriots, all my brothers and sisters in England, all my brothers and sisters in Europe. I pray that you and your governments come together and work together and get rid of the plight that's hanging over your head now. Those Muslims that have invaded your countries. Until Friday, this is Gary house saying good day.